Welcome everybody to Podcast A Week. It is back. Today is September 16th as this goes up. Uh, how are you doing? That's nice. That's I didn't leave you much time to answer there, but I hope you're doing well. After Podcast A Week went on a entirely planned summer hiatus. What's that you say? You said something about doing an episode about Canadian football before you you went on your summer hiatus. Never you mind. That might still happen. I don't know. We'll see. Eh, probably eventually, but nonetheless, this episode is not about Canadian football, it's about Doctor Strange, as we will finish that Marvel series, whether I die or not, if I die, I, I will have Barry do it by himself, <laughs> just, to, just to finish the series, and then he'll review every subsequent Marvel film in my honour, as, as a dedication to me. I haven't told him about this plan, and realistically, because he was on this podcast, he's probably not actually going to listen to it, but nonetheless, how are you? I gave you some time to answer that time. Anyway, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll be back weekly. I, I, I'm committed to doing it weekly, I hope. Assuming all goes to plan, which <laughs> you've listened to these podcasts before. And if you haven't, <laughs> hi. <laughs> but yeah, this is a fun episode, a fun discussion. We're only two films left until we're actually caught up in the MCU, so that's fun. So here is my chat with Barry about Doctor Strange. Welcome back to Podcast of the Week, the 14th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in fact, this is a fun fact for you, Barry, before I even introduce mm. you. This is a remake yeah. of the 2008 film, Iron Man. It's called Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think we were probably going to get to that at some stage, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Or a brilliant egomaniac has taken down a peg and thought that he needs to sacrifice himself to save the world. Hmm. Well, you know, it's 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 you, when you get fourteen films deep, you know, it's it's tough. It gets tough. In fairness, what they they remade Spider Man within uh, when was actually now that took them about eleven years, didn't they? Wait, from o two to eleven, I think was it? Oh God, I think I think it may have been twelve. I think it may have been ten years. I, I think. Yeah, so it only took them <laughs> it only took them eight years to remake Iron Man. In fairness, this was a more imaginative remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they they did. I mean, they, they didn't have like you know, they didn't have their equivalent of uh, Uncle Ben dying twice. <laughs> They've added some magic. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm being dismissed. I actually like this film, but I'm being, Doctor Strange, 2016, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Do you like this film, Barry? Yeah, I did. I I, I like this film. I actually really liked this film when I first saw it. Um, I was very, very positive on it. Watching it back, you know, uh, some of the some of the, the, the less remarkable, kind of more middle-of-the-road aspects of it, I think, came out. But um, I enjoyed it a whole bunch. Benedict Cumberbatch is the kind of actor that I feel like I've never really... He's great, but something about him irks me, so I never really get excited at the prospect of him in a film, but then he or a TV show even. But he always delivers, you know, or... or over delivers even uh so i thought he was uh, very very good again he is the character is very tony stark but i think he i think he puts a nice little twist on it yeah the specific twist being his weird american accent yeah well he oh uh, yeah i mean he's so popular now and he gets uh, you know so many roles across the pond he kind of always has to do that 
There is the question, though. Both Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Both of them are doing dodgy American accents. Whose is worse? Oh, Freeman's. Freeman's is way worse. Freeman's is way worse. Do you think, do you, like, there, is there that big a gap between them? Yeah, I, I didn't think Cumberbatch was especially uh, good or anything. It was pretty ropey, but uh, I... Especially rewatching the these films for the purpose of this podcast, I thought Martin Freeman's is just dreadful. <laughs> uh, the the only time like his uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's is okay. The only time I'm like, oh, that's terrible, is when he's like doing his like, no, 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 and he's doing that this weird American accent, and it just sounds terrible. Yeah, well, you know, he's thank God it's it's only a small role. <laughs> uh this film directed by Scott Derrickson. Have you heard of Scott Derrickson? No, never no. before this. Neither have I. He directed um, Sinister, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and Deliver Us from Evil. Ugh. I, Sinister is like... Uh, Sinister is like a movie I wish was a lot better. There's some cool aspects to it. Um, but it's a really kind of like bad... Mm, I don't want to... I could, we could probably do a whole other podcast where I could talk about that and how I wish it was a better film, but it's just kind of a... <laughs> Subpar modern horror film with loads of jump scares. Yeah, that's not. It's fairly unremarkable filmography there, considering he made this, which is a f- fairly solidly made film. Yeah, the most interesting thing that stuck out to me though is like those are three horror films, and this is not really a horror film. Yeah, and I think I think we've kind of talked about this on on the last two episodes as well. Is that Marvel just really getting an eclectic and slightly weird collection of directors? Um. Uh, involved in their projects, and you know, like James Gunn being a really good example, um, and I, I respect that. I, 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 it, it takes a bit of, um, it takes an eye for talent to look at a weird collection of films, or maybe even in the case of like Sinister or something like that, like look at a film that's like not that good, but say, you know, this director has an idea what he's doing, or this director could make a great film, and and more importantly, they could make the very exact kind of film that we like our films to be. Um, and they've they've had a pretty good success rate, so uh, I think he, I think uh, you know this was a a, a solid outing for him uh, uh, as a director. The cynic in me might think they're looking for agreeable people as well. Then though, yeah, but you know sometimes sometimes the um, uh, the search for people who roll over and do what you want can get really negative results. I mean that was kind of the X Men Three problem was just that there were creative differences, and Fox got someone who would. Just do what do what we want, you know, and do it without any panache or back talking. Um, uh, likewise, you know, George Lucas, you know, getting Rick McCollum and other people for the prequels who just uh, cowed out to every single thing he ever wanted in those movies, you know. So, so I, I think Marvel, modern Marvel, has has a good balance of um, finding people who are malleable to their demands, but still have a little bit of a creative spark. And obviously, people like you know Edgar Wright were just maybe a little a little off center for them, and that didn't work out. But uh, but in this case, it did. If we're talking about like the, the larger Disney conglomerates, they they had a, a recent director walk away again because of creative issues. Ryan Johnson with Star Wars, or not Ryan? Did you call yeah. the other one? Colin Trevorrow. Uh, t- there we go. T- Trevorrow. That was it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, I th- again, I think it's something we have talked about. I think specifically with regards to Ant Man. I mean, it's, look, it's like you want to get someone who's got this creative vision. They they have a little checklist of things you have to do, and it needs to you know 
fit certain parameters, and so they got JJ back, which is uh, I mean after seeing seven, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I, I was dis- I was disappointed after seeing seven that that JJ wasn't on board for the rest of them, but uh, back in for nine is good. But yes, anyway, Doctor Strange. And that, that could that can make you think about like directing these films is probably pretty difficult because you you do need to concede a certain amount to the studio like no matter yeah. how how grand your vision is or even if you're like jj abrams who is like this world-renowned director you still have to like they're disney and it's their movie so like mm. you can only enforce a certain amount of your creative vision on them before they'll go this is the film we want to make mm. and they have they have the pick of the industry really yep uh, and everyone so in the world wants to direct a star wars movie Absolutely, yeah. And not only are they themselves Disney, which is a name that's synonymous with, you know, quality and, and making money, but, you know, the, the, the two brands they have beneath them, Marvel and Star Wars, are things that people also want to get on board with, either financially or because they have admiration for the franchises, you know. So, yeah, lots of options for the, the power is very much in their hands. So, did you have any idea who Doctor Strange was? I was familiar with him just for, from, uh, you know, being a kind of superhero fan and picking things up through osmosis and i'm sure he's had some cameos in some like cartoons i'd i'd have seen here or there you know i i knew what the character looked like and i knew he was some kind of mystic magical character um rather than someone who you know fell in a vat of acid and got a power um but i did not i did not know the specifics of him at all really before this yeah, I saw it randomly on Sky one one day they, because like you know Marvel have all these like little animated films, mm. and there was just like a sixty minute Doctor Strange origin story film. I remember watching that and thinking, "Hey, this guy's pretty cool," and then I forgot he existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not one of the the heavy hitters. But I, you know, again, we we are into the into the depths here where they've started to dig deep for for some of the um, uh, they've used the strength of their brand and the strength of the um how acclaimed their pre the, the the films with the bigger characters are to to give a little boost to some of these smaller guys um, yeah so i was i was i was only vaguely familiar with doctor strange before this so the probably the thing most people will talk about is about this film like that it does very very differently and it, well it's kind of like ant-man which ant-man had those like ant sequences where he was shrunk down and that was very visually inventive but like the action yeah. in this film is just like mind blowing in how it's shot yeah, yeah, and it's really crazy. Um, and 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 they 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 throw a lot of um, uh, unique things throughout the course of the film. Like they show very early the the mirroring and the the contorting worlds and stuff like that. And and they show that a couple of times, but they also have a couple of other kind of neat visual tricks over the course of the film. So it's definitely it's got a lot going on, and it feels like one of those uh, kind of uh, uh, weird uh, action movies where you don't quite expect what the next set piece will have. You know that they. Yeah, it's it's very very unique and and it certainly helps it stand out. We've talked about kind of how the the sameness of these the these universes, this universe's films rather, uh, can hurt them. And so yeah, the the, the action scenes certainly uh, set this one apart a lot. Yeah, and there's like there's a lot of words in this film, like words like Kaisilius and Dormammu and the the Eye of Agamotto and the, just shouting mm. these. I, in fairness, the, I don't think it ever gets bogged down in that. When I think it very easily could have. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's a it's a a fast moving 
uh, romp that keeps things fairly basic. I mean, yeah, sure, there are lots of character names and items that sound like something Indiana Jones would try and steal. <laughs> But you know, uh, I think I think they keep it they keep it relatively simple. Um, you know, and, and a lot of these Marvel films, yeah, they have a fairly simplistic plot. But I do also think ones like this, where they've gone, okay, here's a character who's completely separate from the thirteen others we've spoken about, doing his own thing, dealing with mysticism, which isn't really something we've we've talked about yet in this uh, universe. Uh, so I guess it probably wouldn't be worth our while trying to go hyper complicated with the plot. Because we're ta- basically we might give the audience whiplash from taking them in this kind of new direction and throwing too much at them. Because that is the thing. Like you, you, you really couldn't have introduced this character much earlier. Because like it's a relatively grounded film. Like Iron Man is pretty grounded. Even like Captain America, it's it's all kind of grounded in like almost like war and basic. Mm. It, it, there's no mysticism there. There's no magic. There's no like like ooh the the power of the stars. But now it's just like there's mirror worlds and there's all these magic people and they can just teleport everywhere and they have this magic within some people apparently yeah in our hearts yeah there's magic in Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch's hearts so (laughs) uh, that's why that's why he's such a good hero he has several um, yes but uh, yeah, I think I think it was it's definitely not something they could have done earlier, uh, and and it's tough. I mean, like when when you have a grounded universe, it is tough to introduce something like this. It's one thing I know that DC kind of struggled with is because straight away there in Suicide Squad they've got like magic characters, and it's just it, it it's kind of tough to it just doesn't quite feel right at the very least with the with the marvel stuff they've in, they've introduced their universe and then several films deep they introduce this guy and he is an outsider and he is weird and he is different from everything else but at least that's kind of you know acknowledged in, in a way and i'm sure when he teams up with everyone he'll be he'll be something of a of an oddball in the group cuz he just has magic but i suppose at this day like uh, they've slowly introduced infinity stones they've slowly yeah. like like thor kind of leans more into the mysticism than any other character so there's a little of that over there in the Thor Asgard universe mm. so they, they have kind of like and, and of course this Guardians of the Galaxy which is basically space magic <laughs> but, so they, they've slowly just like slowly eked all of that into their films in a way that makes a character lo- like Doctor Strange actually makes sense yeah absolutely I mean they they they, they do fit things not perfectly but considering the the sheer you know breadth of the characters they have, um, uh, they they fit things together relatively well. I feel. Yeah. What was the name of that? This film made me think of it, and I should have looked it up. You know that Matt Damon film where he's going through doors and he can just pop out any anywhere in the different parts of the city, and the doors connect the place. Do you remember that film? I have n- never heard of this. I'm fascinated, but I have never heard of this. Ah, oh, it's. Oh, it's the adjustment. The born identity. No, it's not. <laughs> that would be a much better film. That'd be <laughs> that a, had magic. That would be great. <laughs> I think it was called the Adjustment Bureau. I've or, never heard of that. Or there was like these these people who who like dictated the direction of people's lives, and they they did it in secret, and they had these magic doors that allowed them to travel around the world. For some reason, like the the doors that just traveled randomly between places in this film reminded me of that. Hmm. I like that. Film. Yeah, I remember that being a good I, film. Well, I'll add it to the list. We can start a new series with uh, with that. Um, yeah, the the and the the location hopping in this was was pretty neat. Uh, you know, uh, the New York they had the three kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, what are they? I can't remember what they were called. The, the like domains they had to protect 
uh, Earth, like New York, London, and, and, and another one. So they were kind of, you know, hopping back and forth between them, and you got, you know, scenes in China and stuff like that. Uh, nice, nice, um, uh, change of pace. I mean, like Civil War was an awful, I mean, of course, infamously, you know, their big climactic fight was in the airport. Yep. Um, uh, and, and even, <laughs> even outside of that scene, there's a lot of, motorway and you know city skies and what's you know where's easy the, to shoot what's easy to shoot right and what's and like lo- locations just weren't important in that story in the grand scheme of things which is uh, interesting you this, say that about civil war where it's like they did that they did all like the glow popping stuff but you're right it was always just here's a road that happens to be in berlin i guess yeah, and in, and like the opening, uh, you know, the opening set piece that re- that results in the you know the civilian casualties. Like I can't even remember what city that was supposed to be. In. It looked like it was just. I mean, it looked sort of slum esque, I guess. But I couldn't even. I could not even begin to guess. And you and I only watched that film not long ago. Uh, uh, what what country that was supposed to be? It's all it's all very unimportant. Whereas this day they made a big deal out of the locations and and. Um, you know, uh, lots of lots of great, you know, kind of ch- Chinese like architecture and imagery, and, and and just some stuff to kind of cleanse the palette a little bit, and mix up the old, uh, mix some stuff up in the in the Marvel formula. Yeah, I did like that the end of this film. Spoilers. This is a review <laughs> podcast, of course. It's going to be spoilers, but the end of this film is basically he defeats the villain with logic. Yeah, which is nice. It was a, you know, it wasn't a a climactic, you know, plunge a knife into a weak point rip out the heart of the of the bad man iron man thing yeah and yeah. and that was i mean i remember i remember when i first saw this film enjoying it for the most part thinking it was really good and then yeah the final act kind of um really like made me smile and and i came out of it i think that's probably why i rated it so highly the first time i came out is because it ended so strong but uh yeah uh um doctor strange gets you know dormammu in the the time loop uh, and Tomamo just kills him over and over and over again endlessly, but but is never satisfied because he's stuck just in that moment, killing him forever. So he eventually yields, and 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 Strange breaks the time loop. Um, yeah, that was a, a very very clever conclusion, uh, and a great way to kind of use the gimmick of what the character is and what his power is. Uh, in, in, you know, in an interesting way, so that the the conclusion of 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 the the, the conflict involves the very, very specific abilities of Doctor Strange, which is something I appreciated. Yep, and they, they were even, like, teasing that earlier in the film. It's like, you shouldn't mess with time, you don't know the consequences. Yeah, that, that, which is kind of the classic, you know, I'm a, I'm a trainee uh, martial artist slash assassin slash Jedi slash whatever movie you're watching. Um, you know, oh, well, I'm pretty sure Doctor we, Strange is all of those things. <laughs> all, all of those things. Or I, I mean, this, this trope is even in you know Game of Thrones, which I just got caught up on. Which is, oh well, we don't go over to that part of the library. Those are the, those are the forbidden books that will make you extra badass, but you're not allowed to read them. Uh, you know, that was. Uh, but I, that, I mean, I always enjoy that 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 trope when it's a a fantasy story of of uh, an outsider training to be. You know the the prodigy of of whatever you know mystical cult is in this movie. Um, so yeah, he used he he, uh, he used the forbidden powers to ultimately solve the problem. Yeah, and I'm sure if you thought too much about the the logic of that final scene, it's like it's all it's like all time travel films. Don't poke at it. Just don't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Even the even the clever ones, where you're like, "Oh, that's great." They read that's you know it's such a clever you know solution to thing. And then if you think about it for longer than a second, you're like, uh, "Yeah, actually, no, it doesn't it, it doesn't quite work?" But eh, who cares? 
Yeah, we had some we had some side characters. We had Tilda Swinton playing a a a whitewashed version of the main character. That was a big controversy going to this film. Yeah, that was yeah, uh, it was. And that, I mean, I, in general, I'm always like a bit any film, any like major Hollywood blockbuster that's like tackling any kind of mystical uh, Asian culture. I'm always watching it going, oh, I wonder, like, are Chinese people going to watch this and think it's the stupidest, dumbest, stereotypical thing ever? Uh, you know, so, so I mean, and, and, and her, I mean, obviously her being cast. And she's a great actress, obviously, and she's great in this. But, but you know, yeah, that was a, a, a little odd. Um, yeah, but she was a, she was one of many uh, amusing – well, she wasn't amusing, but she was one of many uh, good side characters. And there, was, there were some amusing ones. Yeah, like Wong. Wong was was very good. Um, he's in he's in a, a couple of things. The, the actor, um... uh, Benedict Wong. Wong is his name. Oh, well, there you go. Um, I recognized him from somewhere, but he was. Kind of, I think it's just kind of. I think he's kind of a character actor of sorts. I feel like just from a couple of different things. I think where um, I remember him from, and this is going to become the Matt Damon cast now. Is The Martian? He was in that too. I never saw The Martian, and I I, I really wanted to. Um, but yeah, uh, and there was also. Uh, it was uh, uh, Doctor Strange's begrudging partner. Uh, Chida will eat you for. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, I like the way you, you just you just you just deftly got around trying to pronounce Chida will eat you for. I was actually I actually forgot that that was the actor. I was actually going for the character's name, which I also forgot. Uh, but uh, it was mystical sounding. Uh, began with a name. Uh, Mo Mordo Mordo Mordo. I was going to say Mono. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's Bono's um, brother. Bono's brother, yeah. I I actually did a uh, movie podcast thing, uh, just like covering like the Oscars uh, for the year where Twelve Years a Slave was uh, was nominated, and so I did have to 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 read his his name, and I'm sure I butchered it quite poorly, but um, yeah, uh, a very talented actor. I thought he was very good. The supporting cast in general was was very very good uh, until i rewatched this film for the purposes of this podcast i completely forgot uh rachel mcadams was in it um i uh, when i when i first saw this film have you seen the u.s office no uh do you know what uh what pam from the office jenna fisher do you know what jenna fisher looks yes like? i know Je- i know jenna fisher yeah, yeah she looked just like jenna fisher in this film <laughs> Really, you think so? I, I I watched it and I just thought, oh man, I forgot she was in this. Yeah, and she's it's like um uh one of those many kind of odd Marvel Cinematic Universe castings that that you that will always kind of catch you off guard. Um, but she you know she's solid in this. I like Amy. I, I, Amy, I, I always I always make that mistake. It's about to call her Amy, <laughs> uh, even though they are completely different actresses and don't even really look alike uh i like rachel mcadams uh, quite a bit and i thought she was she was good in this um the the um the dynamic between them was was solid i thought not not the you know ro- on-screen dyna- romance or dynamic of the century but you know it was, i thought it was okay yeah she, she very much just like takes a back seat doesn't she she like at least like she doesn't disappear altogether they pop her back up there in the middle act a little but, yeah, and that, and that's a good scene as well, where she, you know, the um, uh, where she where she comes back. But um, yeah, it's very much kind of here's your origin story, and in general, the kind of origin story takes a little bit of a backseat. Um, like like by the end of the film, you'd probably forget that, that his that hands are dreadfully point, disfigured and all that. Yeah, yeah, and that that was the reason he went on the journey. Um, 
you know, but it's like, you know, I think, but it's also, it's tough because, yeah, they told that story and then kind of forgot about it, but also I feel like a lot of modern audiences are burned out on just obsessing over the origin story for a whole film. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm not sure where I kind of land on that because I'd say I, I am burned out on excessively drawn out and long origin stories, but at the same time, I also don't want to just see them quickly squeezed in in 20 minutes and then shirked off so we can just get to the action. I mean, when a push comes to shove, I mean, Batman Begins is still one of my favorite films. Probably ever. Maybe not top 10, but it's up there. And that is just certainly like the first two-thirds of it are just all origin story before the real... It's really only the final act is where is where Batman's actually kind of solving an actual current problem. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I think I think it's I think it's just I think it's just part and parcel of a of a superhero um, lag or or tiredness or however you want to say it. I think it helps when the origin story is relatively unknown because like not that many people really know Doctor Strange's origin story. Even like yeah. Batman, it's like everyone knows parents are killed becomes Batman, but like all of, like the film versions of Batman have generally skipped over that. You know, the the the, the bit in the middle. They never actually portrayed, you know, where you see Bruce Wayne as a kid. Uh, his uh, Martha Wayne is killed. Martha! <laughs> and then we get straight to him being Batman. Whereas, uh, mm. so I think that's part of why, like, Batman Begins worked so well. Because that, like, that in-between bit where he's just like, I'm going to build myself a Batcave. And I'm going to go training and become super badass at beating people up. And here's where I get the suit from. I don't think many things that hasn't been portrayed that much. Whereas when it's just yeah. like Spider-Man or Superman or like other characters whose origin stories we've seen so many times. So don't want that anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Rachel McAdams. I thought their their chemistry was good, at least. They they were good on screen together. Yeah, they were, they were very solid. Yeah. And this film was punched up by Dan Harmon of Community and Rick and Morty fame. Hmm. So you can, I, th- I think you can see some of that. Apparently, they they only shot some like later scenes that they inserted into the film, but I, I think you can see some of that influence there. Yeah, um, and I think I remember um, when it first came out. There was maybe it's a fu- it's a funny film. There's some good laughs. Um, I can remember, you know I know there's some criticism that maybe some of the jokes maybe like didn't quite fit with the tone of the rest of it. I mean, obviously they're they're in there pretty early with the yes we have Wi-Fi joke. Um. um you know, so so some of it was a little, uh, some of the, the jokes were a little out of place. But generally speaking, I thought there was the usual solid mix of, of laughs in there for a Marvel film. Yeah, and like the, the, one of the big like mid scene fight scenes is built around the magic cape being uncooperative. And that's great, and I really I really like that. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, the cape stuff was all really fun. I forgot to mention this. This film did introduce that new Marvel intro with the like. The, oh, the one, the one we hate. The one we hate, yeah. The one with the freaking live action cutscenes mm-hmm. projected onto the Marvel logo, and it's like, no, it's terrible. Yeah, that's bad. Especially because like the the classic like comic flippy one is really cool and simplistic, and but goes back to the Marvel roots, and it's it's nice. Don't change mm. things, Marvel. Yeah, come on. You know when something works, stick with it. Yeah, Stanley was sitting on a bus. I don't even. I don't even think I caught that when I rewatched it. I'm sure I saw it the first time, but well, who was I, they were fighting? I think yeah, there's the Mirror World fight in the middle of the film. Oh, okay. And Stanley was just on a bus there, and they bashed against the window. Mm. They thought that went through a lot. <laughs> Our mid-credit scene: Thor was in it to set up Thor Ragnarok. 
Yeah, I like that. And of course, because he was uh, noticeably absent from Civil War. Um, so, yeah, this is alright. I liked it. Yeah, he's doing things. He has problems that need solving. Mm-hmm. Do you think, because if you remember in, was it, what's, his, what's the second Captain America film? Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah. In Winter Soldier, like, they name drop Stephen Strange as one of the people who Hydra are going to target. So, like, well, I know that's a throwaway reference where people just go like, oh, he said Stephen Strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't think that one through. But, they, so the idea is, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. know who Stephen Strange is. Hmm technically before he even becomes Doctor Strange because I'm not sure when this film happens. I mm, I don't think there's any occurrence in it that means it couldn't be say post Avengers but pre um like I, I, I don't think there's anything in it that would prevent it from being pre Winter Soldier. Like I don't and and when I say pre I don't mean like he's been Doctor Strange for 20 years before, but I just mean, like, it could happen just kind of there in the middle. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm sure that there are references to the Avengers and shit like that happening, as there is in all these films, but, yeah, I don't think there's necessarily... Any, so, yeah, it, it could be it could be a, a couple of years pre-2016, you know? Because um, there was the, the theory that, you know, when he crashes his car, he's on the phone to somebody talking about, like, oh, somebody needs a major surgery. Yeah, there there was a theory that they was talking about Rhodey there, after yeah. he was shot down in Civil War. So, but, yeah, but although that that's you know that is just a theory. I mean, there's I the don't theory. think there was, yeah, and no nothing nothing concrete on that. But um, yeah, so uh, unless unless maybe Shield, I don't know, I don't know. That's that, that's maybe they maybe they just got ahead of themselves in Winter Soldier and just but yeah, that's you know. that's nearly certainly. So whoever like that's the all- Russos wrote the Winter Soldier script and it's like you know what we need if we threw a Doctor Strange reference in here and they're like Asher Guan. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? They don't think these things through. They just leave it for no. us to think through afterwards and then make yeah, things the, up. The nerds will figure it out and they'll they'll write theories and make YouTube videos about it. Yep, and podcast series, of course. Of course. Uh, the post credit scene pretty much set up Doctor Strange 2 with Mordo being evil now. Yeah, that was right. Do you remember, um, oh god, what's it? The Green Lantern. Do you remember the Green Lantern film? I didn't, I never saw it. That, that film basically has the same thing. Or is the, there's the, the whole uh, yellow is the evil of the universe in Green Lantern. Because, yeah. of course. Um, so he has a sidekick pal who's like, his pal throughout the film and then he, at the end of the film in the post-credit scene he like steals the yellow and becomes evil himself it's basically the same ending and uh, that movie will be out any day now yep I'm, I'm looking forward to that payoff to that that big cliffhanger at the end of the Green Lantern film <laughs> I'm sure Ryan Reynolds would love to don that imaginary suit again yep yeah he'll uh, he's just waiting for the call Though I'm happy, I watched the credits, and at the very end of the credits, there's a line, driving while distracted can be hazardous to you and others on the road. Please drive responsibly. Oh, yeah, you gotta you gotta cover your bases. You gotta cover your bases. So just in case somebody watches this film and thinks, geez, if I crash my car off a cliff into a river, I might get superpowers eventually too. Yeah, there is, there is no, this isn't how actual China works, everyone. <laughs> you can't go, you, you can't go and, and get magic hands, you know, just FYI. <laughs> I love if that was the disclaimer. Screw the car thing. It's like, this isn't how actual China works. Yeah. They'll put that in Doctor Strange too. Uh, Doctor Strange, it's a good film. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a solid watch. 
uh, and and it's a a solid Marvel film if you want something that's just you know tonally a little bit different with the with the mirror world and all and the the magic stuff that's just a little bit different from the the you know Iron Man's and Avengers of the world yeah yeah it's sort of like if you ask the question what if Sherlock was a surgeon but also magic you'd get this film and that's pretty good yeah I'm into that that's all right. Before we go, Barry, plugs? Uh, I'll just plug the old Twitter there today. Not much else going on uh, elsewhere at the moment. So just go to twitter.com slash thebarrylad for updates on life. And if there are any other plugs, you'll find them on there. Yeah, next up is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah, I'm looking forward to revisiting that one. Uh, it was a bit mixed on it the first time I saw it, but uh, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm something of the low man on that because I know a lot of people who really like it. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to checking that out again. Indeed, and we... I just saw it's been three months since we last did an episode of this. We won't leave it three months this time. No, of course not. That is the show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We are back and as weird and rambly and just, I don't know, losing this range of thought in the most sentences as ever. You can listen to new episodes of the podcast a week every single week at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK or on iTunes by searching for the TWS Network. YouTube to God I haven't done this intro in so long I can't even do it good God uh, follow me on Twitter at GarrickNAGA or E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y thanks for listening and bye bye